0: Really. You guys have built a fantastic team. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, we're not done yet. Everybody say, ah. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not done yet. Um, so here we go. Find my notes. We uh this week and next week, this Sunday and next Sunday, I want to take some time to talk with you about some vision stuff for Evangel. Where do we go from here? It's been a couple months now since uh, we've moved beyond all of the, you know, the government mandated COVID restrictions and so on. And, uh, and you need to know that not just our church, but all churches in Canada and in most parts of the world, um, this season over the last two years has been an uh, incredibly challenging season where the things that we were used to, how we did things and, and what we did and all that stuff was kind of pulled out from under us, you know, at certain points, gathering, gathering just like this on a Sunday morning was not an option. Uh, for much of the time over the last couple of years, we needed to wear masks, which was po- problematic for some of you because of breathing issues or, or anxiety issues, that kind of thing. Um, for big chunks of time, singing or shaking hands or having meals together or just sitting as close to each other as you are today was, was not permitted, was not something we could do. Many of the, the ministries that we were used to offering as a church, uh, you know, we had to shut down over the last couple years. And, and churches have gone through identity crises wondering, you know, what really is essential for a church? What, what, how, how much can you remove and we're still the church, right? What does that look like? Um. And, uh, and I think you know and, and when do you when do you should you can you push back and say no, this is core to what we are and who we are and and we can't stop doing this, whatever that is, right? Uh, these are difficult things to navigate. They have been over the last two years uh, through these challenging times. But the the question is, um, you know, we've we've come through this mostly intact as a church i would say we you know you've done you've done well but but have we learned anything have we grown not just numerically but but have we grown in who we are and what we are have we changed have we figured anything out can can we really pick up where we left off 2 years ago and just Move on with business as usual. Should we? Are there things we need to do differently? Where do we go from here? Right? I don't have the answers to all these questions, but I think we would be foolish to not ask them, to not have those conversations. We need to figure out, we need to know in our hearts what, is core what really matters to the church there are some things some ways of doing things some attitudes some ways of thinking about church that were exposed I think over the last two years that that maybe are things we need to throw out some things that need to be thrown overboard there are some some things that we've discovered we're We're good and we need to just, we need to strengthen them and do them, do them well. And I think there are some, some new directions, new actions, new things we need to consider. Where do we go from here? Right? And so we're going to kind of just open the can of worms this week and we'll talk more about it next week. So, so, uh. Encourage you to, to get both of these because it's going to be helpful. But I think one of the things we need to to do as we think about what is core to being the church is that we need to we need to get back to basics. What is core to who we are? Back to basics. And so here are some things that I think and, and and I would say, too, just uh, this past week, I attended our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, the, the movement that we're a part of, that our church is a part of, um, across Canada, had our general conference, our national conference this week in, uh, in Winnipeg, and I attended that conference online online. Um, and, uh, and there were just some really encouraging things that, that I think the Lord spoke into my heart, too, just as, as, we, uh, as we heard pastors and leaders share about these kinds of things. Pastors are working through this, and churches are working through this all across our nation. First of all, in Back to Basics... We want to be about the gospel. We want to be about the gospel. But as I say that, the question we need to ask is, what is the gospel? Gospel means good news, right? So what is the good news that we are about? Um, The gospel, I think is often squished and squashed down to a one-dimensional story, something like this. Most of the world is evil and going to hell. Great way to start good news, right? But the Son of God came and died for our sin, and those who ask Jesus into their hearts will go to heaven. Right and, and the gospel often gets squished and squashed down into, it's a very one-dimensional picture. I mean, those things are, for the most part, those, those statements are true, but the gospel is so much bigger and richer than that. I, I think the gospel is something like this. Jesus came preaching, if we read in the Gospels, the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if we read in there, they say that Jesus came preaching and declaring the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Well, what is that, right? What is that? What is the good news? What is the gospel of the kingdom? good news is not that we get to go to heaven, although, I mean, sure, that's true. But the good news, the gospel, is that the king of heaven came here. The king of heaven came here. This king, Jesus, was fully God and fully man. And so in Jesus, in this king, The two realities of earth and heaven came together. He was the new Eden. He was the true temple. He was the place where God and humanity came together. And this king broke into this world's darkness with the light of the heavenly kingdom. And he started transplanting heaven on earth. And he fought a great battle with evil on our behalf because of his overwhelming love for humanity. He won victory over sin and death and the grave by his death on the cross and his resurrection. And he started a community of people who had the seeds of that heavenly kingdom on the inside of them because they trust in the king And he is in them because they walked in obedience to him. And these people, with the kingdom seeds in their heart, began to live the culture of that heavenly kingdom here and now in this world. And it's a kingdom of faith and hope and love, it is a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy. And these kingdom people were filled with the spirit of the king, and now they are the temple where heaven and earth meet in this world. And that community has been growing in influence for nearly 2,000 years, and it's actually making a difference. And yes, this community has gotten lost along the way at times and needs to be brought back again and again to its raison d'etre. But still it grows. And that community is waiting for the soon return of their king because when he comes, he is bringing the fullness of that heavenly kingdom with him and everything will be changed. The heavenly world and the earthly world will become one and the king will hold court and deal with all the injustices of history And those who are found to be stained with the selfishness and greed of this world will perish with the evil systems that are passing away. But those who have been washed and made clean by their trust in the King will be given places of honor in the heavenly kingdom to reign and rule with Him forever. That's the good news. And we need to be about that good news, being people of the kingdom, being people who live out the kingdom in our every, everyday lives, that seed of the kingdom that's on the inside of us, living for Jesus as our king. Back to the basics. The great commandment. Right? Jesus was asked What's the most important commandment that God has given? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, all all the books of Scripture, hang on these two commandments. Back to basics, folks. What are we about? We're about loving well. Loving God with everything in us. And loving people well. The Great Commission. Jesus gave us a clear direction as he was leaving this earth. to go and make a difference in this world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. He's king of everything, right? Therefore, go and make disciples, right, make students of Jesus, make disciples of all nations, everywhere here in, in shallow region, in Dominican Republic, or wherever, wherever we can, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus doesn't send us without saying, I'm going with you, Right? And the great requirement. Maybe you haven't heard of this one. The great commandment. The great commission. Or the great requirement. Micah 6 verse 8 says. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Don't you want to know that? God, what do you require of me? What do you want of me? To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. As kingdom people, we are to be doing justice in this world, right? There are things that are wrong that need to be made right. There are things that are upside down that need to be turned right side up. And Jesus has sent us to be workers of justice. And so as a church, over the years, we have, we have boiled these things down to a, a mission statement. Um, we've often talked about this mission statement, and I'm going to put it up. Um, we exist to exalt God in everything. So we're about His worshiping Him and glorifying Him. We're about His presence with us at all times, right? We exist to exalt God in everything, to engage people with the hope of the gospel. So we're about going and telling, finding people who need to hear the the kingdom story, the, the, the gospel story, and helping them become a part of God's family, to equip people as followers of Christ, making disciples, right, and to empower everyone for ministry, really felt as I was praying about this over the last couple weeks, the Lord gave me just a different way to say this. We will be a spirit-filled, mission-focused, transformative community of called, sent ones. That's what we need to be right? We will be a spirit-filled, mission-focused, transformative community of called, sent ones. So today, in the next few minutes before we finish up, I want to share the first two of these briefly. There's so much. I mean, we we could do a whole series on these, right? I mean, there's so much here. But I want to talk briefly this morning, and we'll pick it up again next week and, and cover the, the second two. And, and then next week, I want to share with you some of the things that I believe God is put, putting on my heart for kind of what do I see? As I look down the, the, down the road five years, ten years for our church, what do I see? I want to share some of that with you next week. So make sure you're back. All right? Okay. Spirit filled. Um, we are a part. I mentioned, mentioned earlier today Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, 1,200 churches across the nation, the largest evangelical denomination or, or movement in Canada. We're a part of that family of churches. We're a part of a movement that talks a lot about being spirit-filled. We have a theology that says that the power of the, of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone and is needed for the church of Jesus to do the mission of Jesus. But a theology is useless if it doesn't inform our reality. Right? To have a theology of spirit-filled ministry is useless if we're not living spirit-filled ministry. It doesn't mean that... Um, so, so what does it mean to be spirit-filled? What does that mean? It doesn't mean that I had a, an experience or an encounter with the Holy Spirit 10 or 20, or 30, or 40 years ago. That was great back then, but that's not today. Being spirit-filled is not about what happened in my past. It's about what am I living right now, right? Spirit-filled doesn't mean that I speak in tongues occasionally, although that's a great thing to do. And we'll talk about that some other time. And if you have questions about that, feel free to ask them. Um, Here's what I think being Spirit-filled means. Means that I'm regularly listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide me in how I behave towards others. That I'm regularly listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide me in how I behave towards others. That I'm regularly letting Him change me into something more like Jesus. That I'm regularly being led by the Spirit into opportunities to do kingdom work in unlikely places. Not just here. Here. Spirit-filled means living it out there. I'm regularly finding myself in situations where I don't have what it takes to fix the problem or make a difference, but as I lean in and do what God has called me to do anyways, I find the Holy Spirit gives me boldness and wisdom and power to do what I cannot do myself. Being spirit-filled is to be a carrier of the presence of Jesus and one who exudes the aroma of Jesus in the world. Being spirit-filled is to be naturally supernatural. I should expect that I will prophesy, that I will speak the heart of God into people's lives. I should expect that I will pray for the sick and I will see them healed. I should expect that when I experience trouble and difficulty, that as I trust Jesus, a boldness of faith will rise up in me and I will pray and I will experience breakthrough. I believe Jesus did not call us to be a defeated church, to be a whiny church, to be a church of complaints and excuses, but a church that knows it's at war, that knows what side it's on, and knows how to fight from victory. I think being a spirit-filled church means that we know how to worship. I don't mean a mamby-pamby sing-song, Ding. I don't mean, I didn't plan that. Um, I don't mean, you know, I don't mean that by the, you know, by the third song, the worship leader finally has us cranked up so we're kind of engaged in, you know joining in. I think if we know what Jesus has saved us from, And if we're living in the battle every day, and if we know how much we need God, and if we've seen Him at work in and through our lives all week, then we've been worshiping all week long as one of our greatest weapons of war. And when we finally get to join our brothers and sisters in this place after a week on the front lines, then when the first note is played, our hands shoot up in passionate celebration and worship of our great God. And we are ready to minister to the heart of God from what's inside of us and ready to receive everything he has to pour out into our lives. I think being spirit-filled is not a title that makes us better than the church down the road. It's a lifestyle of passionate service. A lifestyle of expectation that God is real, His kingdom is real, and He wants to break into our situations every day with His hope and healing. And I think that the only hope of the church in the West and the only hope of the gospel in our region is if it's accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit in lives surrendered to Jesus. Living, the gospel through signs and wonders that accompany our words. I think we need to repent as individuals for powerless lives and ask God to fill us again. The power of the Spirit is not for our entertainment. It is for the mission. and with that we segue to mission focused i want to read a passage of scripture that when i think of the mission of the church i just i find myself anchored in this passage i find myself coming back to it again and again and again as we get a little window into the very first church in the very First days and weeks of its existence in acts 2 verse 42 they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer right so they had some things that they said these this is what is core to being the church We're committed to these things, right? The apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Breaking of bread meaning communion and celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus, but also, as we'll see as we go through this, sharing meals and food together. It's a holy thing to eat with brothers and sisters. Everyone kept feeling a sense of of awe. You living there in your walk with Jesus? Do you keep, do you have this continual sense of the awe of what God is doing? And if not, do we need to commit ourselves to those first things again in a fresh way? Right. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all the believers were together, and had all things in common. All their possessions, all their stuff, they would sell their property and possessions and share with them all, uh, and share them with all to the extent that every that anyone had need. So they would, if they had an extra piece of land, they'd sell it so that they could help their brother who was in need or sister. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. God was adding daily to this, the numbers of this, this, this ragtag group of Jesus followers. Interesting, Jesus, Jesus said, I will build my church, didn't he? Matthew 16, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build your church. When we get possessive about his church, when we get possessive about his church, you can't do that in my church. You know, When we get possessive about his church, we begin to shrivel into serving ourselves instead of serving the mission. I think that's worth saying again. When we get possessive about his church, we begin to shrivel into serving ourselves instead of serving the mission. Our message never changes, right? It's the gospel. That's our message. Our message never changes. But the Apostle Paul instructed the church in Corinth to be flexible in its methods, Because how we carry out the mission is constantly changing depending on the people that God wants us to reach. He wrote this, Paul wrote this, For I am free from all. I have made myself, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them, people that are lost. I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Paul surrendered his life to the service of the mission of the gospel. And whatever he needed to do to bring hope to people, he was willing to do it. Culture is constantly changing, isn't it? Constantly changing. Faster and faster. And the need for the gospel is greater than it has ever been. Is there darkness in our culture? Of course there is. There's always been darkness in the cultures and systems of this world. But we will not change a thing by cursing the darkness. Getting up on our soapbox and telling all the world all the things that are wrong with the world is not going to change the world. We're not going to change the darkness by cursing the darkness. We will only change it by turning on the light. Jesus came saying, I am the light of the world. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, You are the light of the world. Right? You carry the light of Jesus, the spark of the kingdom in your heart in a world that is dark and getting darker. The local church, you and I, are the only hope of the world. You are the greatest hope for the shallower region. That's exciting and that's scary. But you are the greatest hope for the shallower region. And our hearts must be gripped by the conviction that we will do whatever it takes to reach the lost and the broken. That means church is not a club we belong to with rights and privileges. It's not a retail outlet where you're the customer waiting to be served. But it's a hospital where we are the staff triaging and helping the lost and the broken so that the healing and the restoration of God can happen in their lives. And it's all hands on deck. We're not the customers, we're the staff. So let me ask you today Are you truly spirit filled? Or are you down a court? Or five? It's not a judging question. It's a, if we don't know where we're at, how are we ever going to get where we need to get? Am I truly Spirit-filled? Do I need Jesus? Do I need to come to Jesus and ask for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit in my life? Do you know Jesus? If you're here or watching online this morning, do you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Have you grabbed on to that kingdom message? You grabbed on to the one Jesus who is the only hope of the world. Don't leave this place or don't turn off the the live stream feed before you make that decision in your heart today. And is your life pointed towards the mission of God Or have you become distracted by your personal comforts? Pointed questions today. but Folks, we don't have time to mess around. We've got a mission to get at. And I think Jesus is stirring up my heart and our hearts to say, all right, where do we go from here? Let's stand. We've got a breakthrough team. We've been training and prep, prepping our team of, of prayers. They're going to come right up front here and stand facing you, ready to pray for your needs today. And this is, this is going to happen every Sunday from here out. We've got... Uh, a team. We want to grow this team, but but we've got a team that we're starting with to uh, to pray with you for your needs today. Whether your need is any of the things we've been talking about this morning, the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for for us to to get our lives back on track with the mission of God. Maybe maybe today you need to come and surrender your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, but, but it's time to surrender your life to Jesus today. And these people will, are ready to help you with that. Um, or maybe your need today is not any of the things we've talked about. Maybe you need a prayer for healing. Maybe you need breakthrough financially. Maybe you need breakthrough in a relationship in your life. We believe in a God who is a miracle-working God. We we can't change your life. We can't make it all better. We can't wave a magic wand or wave our hand over your life and poof, it's all better. But we can bring you to the one who is the transformer of lives. We can bring you to Jesus as we pray with you today. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray a quick prayer, especially for those of us who maybe need to surrender to Jesus today because that's the most important thing that could happen in this room today. And when I finish that prayer, I'm going to release you. to. If you'd like to come for prayer, uh, come and receive from from our team who's ready to serve you. uh, I encourage you to do that. Father, we thank you for the message of your kingdom, for the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring the light of heaven into this dark world. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on that cross so that our sin, our sickness, our death could be put to to death on that cross with you. And we could have forgiveness and a life change and a new start. God, I pray for anyone in this room or anyone online who needs that today that they would just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I've tried it my way and I've made a mess. And I ask you today to forgive me for anything and everything that I've done. To come into my life, to make me a new creation, to make me something new by, the, by your, your grace and your love and your kindness and to give me a new start. And I ask it in the name of Jesus who loves me. Amen. Amen. Folks, God bless you. Thank you for your attention today. It's been a rich morning. Um, I encourage you.